Last year, alhamdulillah, by the fuzzle and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the barakah of our brothers from Nigeria, Zimbabwe and Zambia, we were able to go over the six mu'amalat, the six ma'amalat, the six daily practices or regular practices of our salsalat. Of this tariqah in Akshabandi Mujaddidi, which are again number one, wukuf kalbi number two, muraqaba, number three, tilawat al-Qur'an, Number four, istighfar. Number five, durood and salawat. And number six, rabat al-bishayh. In addition to these six regular practices, there are some other teachings of our mashayikh which they left behind as a legacy for the tarbiyah and ta'lim of the salikin. And in fact, these teachings that I'm going to be discussing with you, inshallah ta'ala, over the next few days, actually predate the beginning of Muraqamah. You see, sometimes many people have this question in their mind that in the, in the sense that the Sawuf is the manifestation of the science of Tizkiyah and Ihsan, well, when the Sawuf became formalized in these four major different tariqahs or silsilas, Naqshbandi, Chishti, Surawardi, and Qadri, and these different tariqahs made specific usul of dhikr, specific ways of doing dhikr, but what about the people who were before? How did the people in the first century Hijri get Tazkiyah? How did people in the second century Hijri get Tazkiyah? And then sometimes people ask, what about your own Mashaikh and your Silsila? For example, in our Silsila right now, Alhamdulillah, Hazrat Saab, Dawad Barakatuhum Al-Aliyah, is the 40th Shaykh in a continuous and unbroken chain of transmission from the Prophet Wasallam down to him. Number 16 in the Sulsala is Hazrat Shaykh Waja Bahauddin Naqshaban Rahimahullah Ta'ala. And it was Shaykh Bahauddin Naqshaban Rahimahullah who made lots of dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, I ask you to open up for me, reveal to me an easy way for people to attain your wasl, your qurb, an easy way for people to attain your nearness, your closeness, to attain your pleasure. And then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed to him the first 16 lessons of our tariqah which are the different 16 different ways of the first 16 ways of doing muraqamah. However, somebody might ask the question, well, he was Sheikh number 16 in the Sulsala. How did Sheikh number 12 teach the Salakin? The Sawaf? Because there was no muraqamah on Latifai Qalb, Latifai Ruh, Latifai Sir, the things that we were discussing in the late night Majalis with Hazrat Sa. All of those things started with Imam Al-Awliya Shaykh Bahauddin Naqshaban Rahimahullah. So what happened was is that in the earlier period, the earlier Mashaykh used to teach the Zikiyah in several different ways. Number one is obviously the Muzakki al-Awwal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the Prophet taught the Zikiyah to the Sahaba through two major ways. Number one was their Sahabah, their direct companionship and association with the Prophet that itself was enough a purifying effect. The proof for this is in the Qur'an al-Kareem that Allah mentions in the Qur'an 
that the Prophet was sent to earth with four aspects to his mission. Yatnu alayhim ayati to recite unto them the verses of revelation, to be the agent of scriptural revelation. Number two, wa yuzakihim, and to do their tazkiyah. So it was part and parcel inherent to the prophetic mission to do tazkiyah. So simply by being in association with the Prophet the Sahaba's tazkiyah was done. And secondly, the Prophet left behind certain teachings, many ahadith that we read and uh, remind one another of, on mujahida, on sabr, on tawakkul, on all of these sifat of the mu'mineen that are mentioned in the Qur'an al-Kareem. Sabr, tawakkul, dhikr, tawbah, right? Then, in the time of the Sahaba, when they began to teach the Tabin, Alhamdulillah, due to the barakah of that first generation of Muslims, due to the hifazah that all of the Sahaba, all of the Sahaba were amongst the awliyaullah. Every single Sahaba was a kamil wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then the tabi'in, because they kept the company of such kamil awliya, for them that same company and those same prophetic teachings and deeds was sufficient for tazkiyah. Then came the next generation, which is the tabai tabi'in. Now, there's a very famous person in the Tabin who is one of the most pivotal figures in the Tabin. His name is Hazrat Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala. He is such an important person because you can just understand like this that he just missed becoming a Sahaba. <laughs> he just missed the zamana of the Prophet So although he didn't meet the Prophet therefore is not a Sahaba, he's in the Tabin. However, he met many of the Sahaba. And he was able to derive a lot of benefit from their company and from their teachings. So much so that in the time of the Khilafat of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu wa karamallahu waj, Sayyidina Ali made, appointed Shaykh Hassan al-Basri as the Imam of the Jamia Masjid of Basra. And it's written in the books of history that Shaykh Hassan al-Basri, in addition to giving a dars of the Qur'an in the day, giving a dars of ilm of the ulum zahir of the external sciences of the deen in the day, he used to have another session, his majlis at night, in which he used to discourse on the signs, the ulum of tazkiyah. Secondly, he lived a very robust age, and he was able to outlive, obviously, many of the sahaba, and therefore he was the teacher of many of the tabai tabin. So he's a pivotal person in this generation, in the transmission of the signs of tazkiyah from the sahaba to the tabin, plus also to the tabai tabin. And one of his most famous statements and sayings is that he used to tell his students in the Tabai Tabin that if you were to see my teachers, Yani the Sahaba, you would think that they were majnoon, that they were crazy. And if my teachers, Yani the Sahaba, were to see you, the Tabai Tabin, they would think that you were munafik, that you were like hypocrites. So in this time, there's a very, uh, recently a very good friend of ours in California has published a short booklet by uh, a translation of a short booklet by Sayyidina Hassan al-Basri called the Al-Istighfarat which is a collection of du'as of maghfirah seeking the forgiveness of Allah SWT that he made and it's really in this generation that we begin to see the formal development of new practices, new types of dhikr and du'a now the question arises is well why would you need something new, right? why not just teach the same things that exist in the hadith? And let's take the specific example that there are many du'as in the Qur'an for seeking maghfirah. There are many du'as in the hadith for seeking maghfirah. 
So why would Sayyidina Hassan al-Basri ta'ala come up with additional new du'as? So you can understand this very easily by just looking at one of the du'as that is mentioned in his book. One du'a is as follows, that Ya Allah, I ask your forgiveness and I make tawbah to you. Although I know that before I committed a sin, I asked forgiveness, I made tawbah, but then I fell back into that sin again. And I keep doing this in this cycle, Allah SWT, I ask you to take me out of this cycle. Now this is a new du'a. And we can understand that the Prophet never made this du'a. Because this was never the state of the Prophet that he would ever make such a du'a. That I make sin, I make tawbah, I break my tawbah, al-aman al-afiz, I make that sin again, then I make tawbah again. So this could not have come from the blessed mouth of the Prophet because it was not a state. And it was also not the state of the Sahaba Kiram radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in because they were kamal awliya. So this dua could only have come later. However, this dua is important because it's our state. Shaykh Hassan al-Basri is putting into words our reality that we are such people. And so when we read that dua, we feel a deep connection with that dua because it expresses our reality. And this is why they added things, added du'as, added the karatskar. For example, in the Quran, Allah SWT describes the Sahaba, رِجَانٌ لَا تُلْهِيهِمْ تَجَارَةً مُلَابَيْهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ That there are such people that nothing in this world, no worldly engagement, it's kinaya, what it really means is no worldly engagement, no worldly activity distracts them from the zikr of Allah. So then, did you think that such people would need some extra type of zikr? Such people don't need muraqimah. If any one of us become like that, we might not need muraqimah either. Right? But as new generation came, especially in the Taba Tabin, so many of the Tabin would say that we are teaching our students the Taba Tabin, everything that we've heard from our teachers, the Sahaba. However, we don't, we're not able to transmit to them the inward states that we found in our teachers, the Sahaba. In other words, the Prophet some left behind two legacies. One are what we call the Ta'limatun Nabi, the teachings of the Prophet and the second are what our Mashaikh called the Kefiyatun Nabi, the inner states of the heart of the Prophet. You see, you can teach somebody how to pray according to the Ahadith, but how do you teach somebody to bring the same Sunnah state of the heart and the prayer that the Prophet had when he prayed? Allahu Akbar. And that is the true Sunnah, that is a deep Sunnah. To have that Sunnah love for Allah, to have that Sunnah ubudiyah and abdiyah, that Sunnah servanthood, that Sunnah slavery. So this was the worry of the Tabin. That we received it from the Sahaba like, just like that, without any specific details or specific methodology. But we're not able, it's not being passed on automatically. So because it's not being passed on automatically, we need to devise some type of specific methodology, specific practices so that this gets passed on. Because the maqsad and the shir is that it has to get passed on. You see that the skiyah of the Prophet has to last until the end of time. Because it is our aqeelah as Muslims that the nabuwa, the prophet, the prophethood and the prophecy of the Prophet was kamil and mukammal, was perfect and complete and absolute. That means that there can never be an age in which there is no tazkiyah. Because it was part of the prophetic mission. And because he is khatam al nabiyin he is the last of all of the prophets, every one of his functions must remain perfect and complete until the end of time. So the end result of that tazkiyah always has to be obtained in every zaman and every age. But... As time progressed, they needed to devise additional mechanisms. You see, if somebody is very strong, you don't need to design something to help them. But if somebody is weak, then you give them a crutch, you give them additional tools, props, aids, 
in order to reach that same level of strength that is matloob from the beginning. So, then what happened in the early Mashaikh, they designed different particular, what we call usul or principles, or sometimes we call istilahat, terms, terminologies, for us to live by. So in our own salsala, one of our early Mashaikh, before Shaykh Khwaja Bahaudin Naqshiban Rahimahullah Ta'ala, was a Shaykh by the name of Hazrat Shaykh Abdul Khalid Ghajdawani Rahimahullah. And he came up with eight usul or eight principles or eight istilahat with which he used to do the tarbiyah, the tazkiyah of his students. And those have remained preserved up till now. And our Mashaikh and Hazrati Damat Prakatam in his book has preserved those eight istilahat, those eight principles, those eight terminologies so that we as the Salakin of the Naqshbandi Mujaddidi Tariqah can continue our tabiyah and tazkiyah according to the teachings of all of our glorious Mashaikh, including Hazrat Shaykh Faja, Abdul Khalid Ghajdawani Rahimahullah. So inshallah we will try in the next few days to try to go through all of these eight. And later Imam Bahauddin Naqshbandi Rahimahullah himself also added three. So our Mashaikh have always been worried about the tarbiyah and the training and the tazkiyah, the spiritual purification of the Salakin. The first of the eight, the first of the eight, and this is in Persian, but I will explain it to you in English, inshallah. The first of the eight is called Khosh Dardam. But you listen to it in Persian, you should learn it in Persian. Because there is baraka in learning the words that our blessed Mashaikh spoke. I myself do not know Persian, <laughs> and I myself knew very little Urdu as a child. I learned Urdu, alhamdulillah, by reading our Hazrat Sahib's books. In the beginning, it used to take me one to one and a half hours to read one page. <laughs> alhamdulillah. But we just kept reading and reading and reading and then keeping in the company of Sheikh. The first ijtima I ever attended in my life was in 1994 in Washington, D.C. And I sat in the translation section. And Allahu Akbar to the barakah of the du'as of the shaykh. Today I translate for the translation section. So there's a lot of barakah in language as well. So khosh dar dam. Khosh dar dam. Khosh dar dam. Dam in Persian means breath. And khosh means to be aware, to be vigilant, to be cognizant, to be attentive. Hosh dardam means that in every single breath that we take, we should have hosh, we should have awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should be in a state of dhikr, in a state of remembrance, in a state of awareness, in each and every single breath, in each and every single moment of our life. So this was an usul. This is how they did tazkiyah before muraqabah and even after muraqabah up till this day. <coughs> so with every breath, a salik, a seeker on this path, should be aware and attentive, should be in a state of hosh, in a state of awareness, attentiveness, and dhikr of their Lord. And then they continue to write that every type, this is not just an awareness to be done when we're working in the dunya. This is an awareness that is critical even while doing dhikr. In other words, for example, when we're doing dhikr lisani, Dhikr with our tongue, which for us is our istighfar and our durood and salawat, our tasbihat. At that moment also, every single breath, every single moment, every breath should be taken in a state of awareness of Allah In our istighfar and in our durood. 
So it's coupled with the Mamullah. In fact, these eight istilahat are viewed as tools to maximize and really actually get the benefits from the daily Mamullah. Right? So during our dhikr lisani, we should be aware. And number two, during our zikr qalbi, our muraqabah, we should also be aware. And let me explain what this means. Now when you were in a state of awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we will be able to concentrate much more in our zikr. You will notice that whenever you are aware of something, you are much more focused and you are in much more concentration. For example, imagine that if Allah forbid some of us is in some type of dangerous situation. We feel threatened by somebody or threatened by some enemy and we are in danger. So let's say for example we hide behind the curtain. Right? And when you hide behind the curtain in that state, you are aware of every breath you take. You are aware of every moment that passes. You are in a state of complete and utter, utter focus and concentration. That is what the Mashiach are saying that every single breath should be at, should be should find you in such a state of complete and utter focus and concentration on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is hosh dardam. And the opposite of this is to do zikr lisani or zikr al-kalbi with ghaflat. So to recite istighfar and we don't even have hosh awareness of what we even did. Before we know what the hundred is done and we saw oh, istighfar finished. No. <laughs> istighfar not finished, the moving of our fingers finished. Istighfar had yet to begin. Why? Because istighfar has to be done with hosh. How can you seek the forgiveness of Allah without even being aware of what you're doing, what you're saying about being in a state of His remembrance? So hosh dardam is the essence of istighfar and salawat. Similarly, in, so in Drud, we send the blessings from the Prophet ﷺ. We do it quickly before we know a hundred is finished. But we didn't, if we didn't do it in a state of hosh, we won't benefit from it. If we did it in a state of hosh, number one, being aware of what we're doing, and number two, specifically that every breath we were aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that one tasbih of durood and salawat is a life-changing experience. That one tasbih of istighfar, seeking Allah's forgiveness, is a life-changing experience. And similarly then, in zikr al-kalbi, muraqabah, obviously the essence of muraqabah is that hosh. Right? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the is that tabattal, that deep, an exclusive concentration on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the exclusion of everything else. But tabattal ilayhi tabtila. Now, by practicing this, this is an exercise. This isn't just a theory or philosophy that we listen to and say, oh, this is a wonderful theory our Mashaikh made. No, no. This is a practical exercise. This is almost like a sabak. This is a lesson. That we have to try to practice hosh dardam by trying ev- to be so aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that every single breath we are aware of Him. And when a person does this slowly, gradually, works on it regularly, then eventually this practice of hosh dardam, regular exercise of hosh dardam, leads a person to perpetual remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then they become perpetual da'im on dhikr. They become firmly established on the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Hadassah writes in his book that this host dam is number one, the key to attain this perpetual awareness of Allah and number two is the key to eliminate the tafarruqah or the distractions, the interruptions of the nafs that happen to us in our ibadat, in our salah, in our istighfar, in our zikr al-kalbi. So the more and more we practice this host dam 
And we'll get to that in a little bit more about how that is done. The more we practice this, the more, inshallah, we will be able to shield ourselves from the interruptions and the distractions of the nafs. So, Hataji writes that for the beginning salik, for the muqtadi, for the seeker who is beginning on this path, being regular in host their dham is absolutely essential and extremely beneficial. So much so that another Shaykh of Asrisullah who was 20th even after Shaykh Bahauddin Naqshibal Rahimullah, a Shaykh by the name of Hazrat Fajr Ubaidullah Ahrar Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said that in our tariqah in Naqshibalni, being watchful of every breath, which is host their dham, being watchful of every breath, being attentive, not watchful of your breathing. Alhamdulillah, this is the barakah of our mashayikh that where perhaps others tell you to focus on your breathing. That's not what we're saying. You're not being watchful of your breathing. You're being watchful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every breath, in every moment, in every second, in every fraction of a second. So to be watchful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every breath or in every moment is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. And that salik, that seeker that does not do host their dumb, Listen to what Hazrat Khwaja Ubaidullah Ahrar says that that seeker who does not practice host their dumb, it is as if he has forgotten the tariqah sharifa. That's what he's right. Why does he say that? Because the purpose of the tariqah is to remember Allah. If we forget Allah, then you can forget the tariqah. Because the tariqah, the whole essence of the tariqah was to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Hazrat Khwaja Bahaudin Naqshaban Rahimullah says that the basis and foundation of the tariqah in Naqshaban is on host dam. And he went so far as to say that not just every breath should you remember Allah, but he divided the breath. That in every inhale you should remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not a single inhale should catch you in a state of ghaflat or in a state of unawareness. Nor should any exhale catch you in a state of ghaflat or a state of unawareness. And then third, he said, nor should any gap between the inhale and exhale that occurs, and even that should not catch you in a state of ghaflat and unawareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is an extreme level of hosh. <laughs> to be so aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that not even a fraction of a millisecond of our life, which is what is between the inhale and the exhale, is a fraction of a second, should catch us in a state that we are not in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Hazrat quotes a Persian couplet, Two lines of a Persian poem, which in English we would say that in every moment we should view every moment and every breath as a ghanima, as a precious treasure, as a golden opportunity. And with every moment and every breath we should become aware and attentive of our Lord, such that we should always remain waqif or aware of this breath. And we should not take a single breath without awareness of our Lord. Now the benefit of this that Hazrat Sahib has written in the books. Before I do that, let me explain what this means. This in essence is very similar to Bakufi Kalbi. In essence, this is very similar to Bakufi Kalbi. But it's referring to being so aware that you see, for example, the example I gave you that when that person is hiding behind the curtain, he's so aware even of himself, he can feel his own pulse, right? Because he's in a state of fear. What does that mean? That when you're in an extreme state of awareness, it gives you an extreme emotional state. So that person who is in an extreme state of fear, he's so aware, he's standing behind the curtain, he can almost feel his own pulse. 
Normally he's not aware of his own pulse. Just like that, that person who is in extreme zikr of Allah SWT is aware of his every breath. Aware that every breath is being taken in a state of zikr and remembrance of Allah SWT. So we should be so watchful over ourselves. In other words, the way to practice khushdardam is to be watchful over ourselves, to be vigilant over ourselves, and to make sure, again, that not a single breath or a single inhale or a single exhale or a single pause takes place other than we are engaged in the zikr of Allah SWT. And this is gradual. But if a person makes this niya, what a beautiful niya to make. At least we can all make the niya. We can all make the intention. We can all make dua to Allah SWT. Then we can make dua SWT out of the barakah of our mashaykh that you bestowed upon them this understanding and you bestowed upon them this way of this kiya for the benefit of the salakin. Allah SWT, due to their husnizan, due to their niya, due to their desire that people benefit from this, Allah SWT, we ask you to enable us to benefit from this, just to fulfill their wish that people would benefit from this teaching. And inshallah, if we keep making this niya, keep making this dua, keep catching ourselves throughout the day, checking myself, oh, did I just take ten breaths in a state of ghaflat? No, no. Immediately connect again back to Allah SWT. The more and more one does this, then the more inshallah one will become perpetual in zikr and one will be able to be free from the thoughts and whisperings of the nafs. The benefits <coughs> that Hazrat Sahib has written for this exercise is that, and I will just explain this, uh, I'll just explain it using the words that are in the book and then I'll explain it to you in English. And that is as follows, that due to this practice of host dardam in our tariqa naqshbandiya, our tariqa naqshbandiya aliya, the sere afaki is subsumed and included in the sere anfusi. Now I'll explain these two terms to you. Sere afaki. Afak is plural of this word called ufuk. Ufuk is an Arabic word actually, and it means the horizon. So afak refers to horizons literally. And what it actually is referring to is the whole universe, the entire creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Sayyidah Afaki means that you, one way to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to reflect upon His signs in the universe. This is something mentioned in the Qur'an al-Karim. And I'll just go over one verse with you. There's a second thing which is Sayyidah Anfusi. Sayyidah it means journey in Persian. Sayyidah Anfusi, Anfus is plural of nafs, which means our own self. Which is by reflecting inside of ourself, by doing secret, hidden, silent zikr, we also reflect upon the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what's being mentioned here is due to the barakah and the blessing and the benefit of host dardam, is that host dardam is ser anfusi, that you're looking internally. You're watching every breath, making sure every breath is taken in a state of zikr. That is called ser anfusi. That due to the barakah of that, ser al-faqi will also take place. Now I'll explain to you this from the Qur'an al-Kareem. <coughs> in Surah Al-Imran, in verses number <coughs> 190 to 191, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la explains this. And actually you will find that everything that our Mashaikh teach it's just we don't always have the time to go back and show you every time where it's coming from in the Qur'an. But all of our Mashaikh's teachings, each and every one of them are things that emerge from their marifa of the Qur'an, of the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So listen to these verses in the Qur'an. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan 
That verily in the creation of the heavens and the firmaments and the skies and in the earth and in the changing from the night and the day, the ayatin are certainly signs which people can reflect upon and gain benefit on signs that will lead a person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lead that person to dhikr, to wasl, to qurb. But for who? The ulul albab. For a particular type of people called ulul albab. And the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains who the ulul albab are. Al-nazina yadkuruna allaha qiyama wa qa'udan wa ala junubihim. Number one. And number two. وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ They have two characteristics. The Ulul Ambaam are number one. الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا Those who remember Allah SWT perpetually. Right? Standing, وَكُعُودًا Sitting, وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ Or on their sides. And you would remember from before as well that every human being physically is only in one of three postures. Either you are standing or you're sitting, or you're lying on your side. So it means that they rem- those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perpetually all the time. First condition to be considered amongst the ulul al-bab. Second condition. And that they reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth, on the universe, on the whole universe, the creation, the blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, the inamat, etc. The first thing is sere anfusi just in the terms of the Messiah. The second thing, this tafakkur, is sere afakir, to reflect upon the universe and the creation, etc. Now, the interesting thing is that if you think about it, what is Allah SWT really saying? And if you look, there's a very hidden nukta here in the Quran. That the ulul al-bab, the real distinguishing thing about them is zikr. Now how can I say that when Allah Taala defined both zikr and fikr? Because what did Allah Taala say again in the beginning? Inna fi khalqi samawat That in the universe there are signs, la ayat, signs for people. So there were two possibilities, two ways we could do this. Number one is we could directly do fikr, directly reflect on those signs. In other words, directly do sere afaqi. And there was a second possibility that no, we could first do zikr, the tertib of the Qur'an. First do zikr. First do said anfusi. And that would lead us to fikr on the universe. So there were two possibilities. So between the two, what's the difference? The difference is zikr. Fikr is in both situations. The people who are not ulay al-bab, they will also do fikr. But they will not benefit from the signs of Allah. Such as the scientists, the atheist scientists. If you think about it, the atheist scientists of this world delve deep into the mysteries of the universe, of the physical creation. But they don't have this condition, So they're not amongst the ulul al-bab. So they cannot see the ayat, they cannot see these as signs that lead them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was one way of doing, direct do the fikr. And there was a second way of doing the fikr by preceding that with the zikr. So the real difference then is the zikr. The asal of being ulul al-bab is zikr, is not fikr. Allahu <laughs> And this is why the Mashaykh of our Tariqa Naqshiban said that you start with zikr. And by doing the zikr automatically, the fikr thing will be taken care of. And that is what Hazrat Sahib was explaining in his book. And then, when I was discussing this with, uh, Alhamdulillah, we have the fuzzle to say, Ustadi al-Muhtaram, Hazrat Mulana Khlir al-Aman Sajjan Numani, Dawat Brakatam, he gave me another nukta on this ayah. So I will share that with you on his hawala.
So the ayah continues after this that the ula albab are who alladina yatkuruna Allaha qiyama wa kauna wa ala junubihim wa yatafakkaruna fi khalqi samawati wal ard and then what happens rabbana ma khalaqta hadha batila what do they say what is the result of this is the result of this some type of union with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hulul or ittihad no the result is immense praise of the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the result of this zikr and this fikr that they say that Rabbana o our Rabb ma khalaqta hadha batana that you did not create this in vain this whole universe has not been created in vain why? because it's ayat it's not in vain it's a sign of you it's your sign it has not been created in vain after going through this process this theme of zikr and fikr now we realize what these ayat are we realize that this ufuk this this universe is but your signs. It's not in vain. It's a manifestation of your sublimeness and of your greatness. So they say that. And then they make dua immediately. They don't say, oh, and now we are amongst the mutakarrabun. No. <laughs> what do they say? Subhanaka fakina adab Subhanaka Allah subhanahu you are exalted and glorified beyond everything. Fakina adab save us from the hellfire. In other words, when the Mashaikh used to do this tasawwuf, do this seer anfusi, seer afaki, they emerged more humble, with more fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran al-Kareem, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ إِبَادِهِ الْأُلَمَاء And ulama can have many meanings. One meaning we will take here, which doesn't negate the other meanings, but one meaning is the ulama of the manifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The knowers of the manifat of Allah, the knowers of the ula al-baab, they have the most khashiyah, the most fear of Allah. So when they emerge from this process, they don't come out with union or ecstasy. They come out with, with this. Subhanaka faqina adhab nar Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanaka. You are great. You are glorious. You are exalted. Save us from the hellfire. We realize how lowly we are after this process of dhikr and fikr. By becoming of the ula al-bab, it only pointed us to our humble and abject and subservient nature. And we beseech you to save us from the hellfire. This is from the Quran al-Kareem. This is what our Mashaikh are trying to bring us to. Now, look how I just explained this verse. We need a methodology to reach the hakikat of this verse. Again, the Quran al-Kareem is not words just to make us say, Oh, it's a wonderful philosophy or a wonderful theology. No. Every verse of the Quran al-Kareem was revealed to produce a change in the heart of those who submit to it. To produce an emotional response. So we have to find how can we get this? How can we be some people who experience this zikr, experience this fikr, and afterwards from our heart we also say subhanaka? So we need some methodology for that. It's not coming to us automatically. This is the karam, the generosity of our mashayikh, uzam, the sufiya, karam, rahimahullah ta'ala ajma'in, that they made a methodology for even lowly ones like you and me to reach the emotional states of the Qur'an al-Kareem. That is what the sawaf is. That's what the sawaf is. And nothing less could be called the soul. Right? So alhamdulillah, the nukta, uh, I forgot that, the nukta that Malana Khalil Ramadan Numani said was that if you look at the Arabic of this verse, that three things are mentioned. That the ulul al-bab, number one, do dhikr. Number two, they do fikr. And number three, they make the dua. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose not to use a fail for the third thing. <coughs> In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose not to use a verb. Allah SWT could have said Alladhina yathkaroon Allah and then وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَوَاتِ and then وَيَدْعُونَ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ 
And then they make dua, but Allah didn't say that. The third thing is not an action. The way he explained it to me was that the third thing is a hal. It's a state that overcomes a person as a result of these two actions. So by doing the action of dhikr, that automatically subsumes. You cannot do fikr directly. You do zikr, it automatically leads you to the fikr. And after that, you will emerge in a hal, in a state, in a condition from which will emerge from you this dua. Right? <coughs> Number one, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you've not created all of this in vain. Whether it's our kalb, whether it's our inner self in vain, or the outer mysteries of the universe, none of this has been created in vain. And then subhanaka, this would be our hal to this. Subhanaka fakina azab So alhamdulillah, this is hostardam. When a person does hostardam, Allah he becomes amongst the alladhina yathruna allaha qiyaman maqa'una wa'ala jnubih and then automatically he gets to the next stage of fikr on the universe and then he becomes amongst the al albab and then he is able to get into this hal in which he feels the praise and glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emerging automatically from his heart and he feels his own subservienthood and slavehood emerging from his heart and he turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua to save him from the hellfire وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وعلى آله Ya Allah, you gave us the gift of Iman, the gift of Islam. Ya Allah, you gave us the gift of our Mashaykh, our Ulama Ikram. Ya Allah, but yet we have failed you, the Namna Anfusana. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. Ya Allah, we have oppressed ourselves. Ya Allah, we have failed to do Qadr of you, Qadr of your deen, Qadr of your month. Ya Allah, we have failed to do Qadr of your book, Qadr of your prophet, Qadr of your awliya. Ya Allah, we have failed to do Qadr of this ilm, Qadr of this nisbat. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves, we have oppressed ourselves. Ya Allah, we have committed a great offense on ourselves. Ya Allah, if you do not shower your mercy upon us, if you do not shower your forgiveness upon us, Ya Allah, then we will be amongst the lost ones. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us on this day. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us on this first day of the last ten days, this first day of this ihtikaf. Ya Allah, we ask you to wipe away our sins from the beginning. Ya Allah, we ask you to wipe away our ghafla, our heedlessness from the beginning. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, where many of our friends have bought, brought their pious deeds to this itikaf. Ya Allah, they have been spending the whole year in muraqabah and zikr, the whole year in ita'at, in your obedience, in ibadat, in your worship. Ya Allah, we have brought one whole year of ghaflat to be washed away. Ya Allah, we have brought one whole year of sin to be washed away. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have brought one whole year of filth and najasa to be washed away. But Ya Allah, you yourself said, you yourself have your blessed messenger has taught us about you. That Ya Allah, that your rahmat is wasiyun ankul nashay. That your mercy can encompass each and everything. That Ya Allah, even when we look at the enormity of our sins, Ya Allah, we are hopeful of the immensity of your mercy. Ya Allah, Abba Kareem. Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Allahumma innaka afuun kareemun tahimu ala afafafanna. Ya Allah, you are the soft one, the relenting one, the forgiving one, the compassionate one, the merciful one. Ya Allah, mercy, compassion, 
compassion and forgiveness befit you. Ya Allah, they adorn you. Ya Allah, we ask you to in, in, include us in the cloak of your mercy. Ya Allah, forgive us for all of our sins and transgressions. Ya Allah, let, our, let not our past sins be a block for us to progress or to benefit from these next ten days. Ya Allah, remove the blocks on our heart. Remove the seals in our heart. Remove the stains on our hearts. Remove the hardness in our hearts. Ya Allah, soften our hearts towards your remembrance. Adorn our hearts with your love and love for your blessed messenger, sallallahu and love for those who love you and love for those who are beloved to you. Ya Allah, we ask you to bring us into that life in which which earns your pleasure. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, Ya Allah, drag us into the life of the Qur'an, Sunnah, and Sharia. Ya Allah, we have come to this place. Ya Allah, there is nothing in this country, nothing in this land, nothing except this brings us here except your home and your wali. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask of you to accept us amongst your ibad. Ya Allah, we ask you to crown us with the crown of servanthood. Ya Allah, we ask you to adorn us with the robe of slavehood. Ya Allah, we want nothing more but just to be your servants and slaves. Ya Allah, we want your, to be your ibad. We want your amdiyya and your ubudiyya. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to adorn us with the sifat of the mu'mineen. Ya Allah, how how many times will we hear these sweet words of taqwa and sabr and dhikr and tawakkul and inaba and tawbah and talab? Ya Allah, you became when will we ourselves experience these realities? Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst the muttaqeen, make us amongst the sabirin, make us amongst the sa'imin, make us amongst the musallin. Ya Allah, make us amongst the mutawakkilin, make us amongst the awwabin, make us amongst the tawwabin. Ya Allah, make us amongst the zakirin, Allah kathira. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to adorn us with this ni'mah of zikr. Ya Allah, we have no istihqaq. Ya Allah, we have no right to even ask you of this ni'mah. But Ya Allah, we look at your words in the Qur'an. La'allukum tattakoon, that Ya Allah, you yourself were hopeful that we would get taqwa in this month. Ya Allah, we ask you to fulfill your own hopes and bestow us with taqwa in this month. And Ya Allah, we ask you to fulfill the hopes of our mashayikh. Ya Allah, that they be granted students not like us, not like us who fail to follow their teachings, not like us who spurn their teachings, not like us who are hypocrites in their teachings. But Ya Allah, our mashayikh wish to have teachings. Ya Allah, our mashayikh deserve to have students. Ya Allah, who are amongst the zakirin. So Allah, we have no istikaq, but we present to you the istikaq of our mashayikh. Ya Allah, that they deserve to have students who are amongst the zakirin. And Ya Allah, we beg of you, Ya Allah, to the nisbat of our mashayikh. Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst the people of zikr. Ya Allah, so that we are not a source of embarrassment, a source of pain, a source of disappointment of the Mashaykh of Azam and the Yawm din Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we look at your mercy. Ya Allah, you yourself said in the Quran of Kareem, that verily the nafs commands one to, to sin and to deviance. Except for that person upon whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends his mercy. Ya Allah, we invoke, we, ya Allah, we ask for you for your rahmah. We ask you to send your mercy upon us. Ya Allah, we ask you to take us out from the yokes and chains of our nafs. Ya Allah, you have chained all of the shayateen in this month. Ya Allah, surely you can chain our nafs in this month. Ya Allah, it's not difficult for you to chain all the shayateen. It is not difficult for you to chain our nafs. Ya Allah, we ask you to chain our nafs and lock it away forever. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the nafs mutmainna in place of our nafs amara. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, in this barakah of this month of Ramadan, in the barakah of this nisbat of love that we have for one another. Ya Allah, we have no other amal in the world worthy of presenting to you. But Ya Allah, the love that we have for one another is purely and only for your 
sake. And the love that we have for our Shaykh is purely and only for your sake. Ya Allah, we present this humble amal before you, present it in humility and ask that you accept this amal and exchange, grant us your true love. Ya Allah, in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you said in the Quran, the cream, yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. Ya Allah, we don't even know the meaning of mahabba. We don't even know what it means to truly love. Ya Allah, you know how to truly love. Ya Allah, you know how to have mahabba. Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst your mahbubin. Ya Allah, we ask you to make us amongst your beloveds. Ya Allah, we ask you to teach us the path of mahabba. Allahumma inna nas'anuka humbaka wa humba man yuhibbuk. Rabbana takamal minna innaka anta samir alim. Watubu alayna innaka anta tawab rahim Wasallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin.